0: Welcome to The Daily Standard Podcast. It's December 4th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by Andrew Egger and Jim Swift of The Weekly Standard. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Doing great, Charlie. How are you? Good. Well, obviously, this is going to be a momentous week for the Mueller investigation. At least that's what the conventional wisdom is, uh, that, in fact, uh, the The special prosecutor may be laying out or certainly revealing a lot more about his case as he comes out with these sentencing memos. Uh, The big one being the Manafort sentencing memo later in the week. Uh, The Flynn, General Flynn uh, memo sometime today, but not as of the moment we are taping. So let's talk about something else. Should we start with Tariff Man or uh, the Gina Haspel closed door uh, testimony. Uh, let's, 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 let's go with tariff, man. Uh, Andrew Egger, this has been something that that uh, you have been writing about uh, extensively for the Weekly Standard. You had a huge uh, surge in the stock market, well, a, a big surge in the stock market yesterday um, on the word that there was some kind of a truce between the Trump administration and China. But as people began to ask more questions, it became more questionable whether there really was a deal, whether whether that uh, the two sides understood the same thing that they had agreed with, whether it was going to add anything. And then, of course, the president uh, tweeted this morning that he was tariff man. So where are we at in, in all of this right now, Andrew?
1: yeah. so so two things I would say about about today's news. the 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 first is that it's sort of amazing how closely this mirrors uh, the news cycle that we had back in may, where where, if you'll remember this was this was prior to uh, Trump's big escalation of the trade war with China prior to us. Uh, slapping hundreds of billions of dollars in tariffs on them and them slapping hundreds of, bil- of billions of dollars in retaliatory tariffs on us. But it was, uh, it was as we were ramping up to do all of that stuff uh, back in May, we, 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 we had an almost identical thing happen where, where Trump tweeted out, um, we've, we've struck a deal with China uh, it's going to be great for our farmers. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be great for our businesses. We'll we have won this trade war before it's even begun, pretty much. Um, and then, within a matter of days, it became apparent that there wasn't any such deal actually in the offing. That that was, uh, we never really got a good explanation for why Trump had jumped out ahead of that thing before it was set in stone. But it, it became very clear that he had. Um, and then we had this sort of six months of increasingly austere tariffs going back and forth. Um, and it's 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 sort of starting to look like that's just exactly what going to happen now. I mean, we don't, uh, we, 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 the first danger sign here was that uh, even the day that Trump made that announcement, uh, it was pretty clear that he and China weren't on the same page in a lot of ways because, you know, the official uh, Chinese announcement of, of essentially the conversations they'd had differed substantially uh, from, from the account that, that Trump gave. Um, and so I, I think that this is just another, another episode of, of Trump sort of proclaiming a victory prior to, um, you know, any, anything actually being settled. Uh, and then, you know, by the time it comes out that clear, that we're pretty much just in the same place we've been all along where, you know, there's, still this standoff. It's still this, uh, you know, where neither side really is looking like they're likely to budge on a lot of things. Um, but by the time that becomes clear, we've already kind of all moved on to the next cycle. Trump has notched his his win and gotten accolades well. for it and the quarters that he wants the accolades for. It's, just, it's sort of just like a weird uh, Media move, almost in that sense. Except
0: the the, the markets seem to be having a little difficulty figuring all of this out because they t- apparently the markets, to the extent there is such a thing as the markets, uh, took it at face value that in fact that it was a truce. Uh, the, the The obvious tells were, of course, that the Americans and the Chinese were not saying the same thing. There was nothing in writing. They didn't even have the uh, the, the correct date of the ninety day uh, n- negotiations, but they they bid up stocks yesterday and then today realizing, wait, Donald Trump has done it again. He's claimed to have a deal that he didn't have. And now, at least a few minutes before we began doing this, we uh, began talking, who knows what it'll be when people listen to it. This, the, uh, the Dow was down more than, uh, what, around 700 points. So even this deep into the Trump administration, there are some folks that haven't seemed to have figured out uh, this pattern you just described.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that that they're they're reacting against and the thing that we always sort of keep bumping into when we're thinking about Trump and trade uh, is is that the there, there's really two different sets of competing motivations that are that are at work here. Right? There's the, there's the stated um purpose of of the tariffs uh, under which you know, because usually, you know, the president can't just impose tariffs unilaterally. Usually that has to be a, a congressional act. You have to go through Congress to, to, to sell this kind of a trade deal. But but Trump has a couple of specific tariff powers uh, under which he can act unilaterally. And one of them, uh, the one under which he's uh, implemented his steel and aluminum tariffs, for example, is the 232 power, where if it's an issue of national security, uh, the president can can unilaterally impose tariffs. And the other one that he's used with, with China is, I, I believe that it's called the Section 301 powers, uh, where where it, it's essentially you can punish a country that ha, that is refusing to use fair trade practices. Um, you can punish them by putting tariffs on them until they drop their unfair trade barriers, like uh, like stealing intellectual property or or price manipulation or or what have you. Um, and so those the, the, that's the uh, the rationale that the the Trump administration has gone to uh, in order to. Mm-hmm. Uh, implement these China tariffs. The problem with uh, 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 tweets like the president's this morning is that they display uh, what we all already know, which is that the president has a, a separate motivation for these tariffs and for this trade war, which is that he just believes that having tariffs on on imported goods is just good for the U.S. economy. Period. And and we and we we know that he. Believes that because he says that all the time, and because he, you know, even before uh, the the administration started talking about things like uh, you know, intellectual property theft and China's unfair trade practices, we already knew they were cruising to do these kind of protectionist measures. So the 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 issue here that people start to run up against is that well, uh, is what Trump actually wants. For China to drop these unfair trade practices and then he'll be happy to sweep all these tariffs back off the table and go to free trade because that's some of it his advisors sure. say he wants Larry Kudlow says he wants mm-hmm. that uh, but but then when you see Trump tweeting you know these things very explicitly saying you know I, I'm a tariff guy I love tariffs tariffs are great 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 pretty much no matter the circumstances that is what makes people pull up and say hold on we don't know that, 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 that there's actually a solution for this just around the corner just over the horizon and of course that has this sort of effect that we're seeing in, in in, in the markets, because I mean, I don't have to tell you that that tariffs are bad for the economy, right? I mean, it's I, I it, it's sort well, of uh, that's that the that's President the dilemma,
0: persists. because I mean, Trump is not completely wrong in in his accusations against China. I mean, China does need uh, a brushback pitch, and, and they have been engaging in in uh, unfair trade practices, including intellectual property, but. The the reliance on tariffs is, as you say. I mean, d- does he fully understand that that the tariffs are paid by U.S. consumers? They're not I mean, paid by the Chinese.
1: Yeah, and there's there's it's, no. There's no evidence to indicate that 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 Trump that that thought plays into Trump's mind on this at all. I mean, it it just seems like this is one of those things, and we see this. I mean, it's it, it's 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 sort of crazy that we've all just sort of like accepted that this is the way that our our country works now. But you, I mean, we all know that there are things that are just counter to fact that tr- Donald Trump gets in his mind and just sort of. Contra all evidence, will just sort of blandly assert over and over and over again, and this is just one of those things, right? I mean, it's he 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 has been advised that uh, of the dangers to the U.S. economy that 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 tariffs present, and and you're absolutely right, by the way, that that you know this isn't to say that there are no. Uh, You know proper uses of the 301 power, and it's also not even to say that there's not a free trader argument to be made uh, for these particular tariffs against China. You know Larry Kudlow and people like him, longtime free traders, are have apparently come around to the position that maybe these these can serve serve this purpose, as you say, and that's also why we have seen less uh, resistance to to some of these tariffs from congressional leaders than we perhaps would have otherwise. But again, to come back to the danger, the danger is that 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 Trump will not have is not on the same page with his advisors when it comes to well actually maybe these are are good for these specifically delineated reasons and that the end game is just to get China to open up its trade practices you know when Larry Kudlow asserts that uh, what what Trump really wants is is an end game where it's perfectly free trade between the US and China without any barriers or any unfair practices. I mean, that's just plainly contradicted by statements like the one the president made today. And I think that's where uh, the, the the skittishness in the markets comes in.
0: And and also he's obviously gonna take a really hard line with these negotiations. I mean, he put in probably the most, you know, one of the the strongest anti-China figures in his administration as the chief negotiator, and that obviously sent a signal as well.
2: You know, do you guys? This yeah. reminds me if I, if I may do something different. The Weekly Standard used to have a strict no poetry rule, but the tariff man has struck up a bunch <laughs> okay. of poetry. So, if I may, can I read you do an it, adapted do poem it to that I've done? Yeah. Along came a fox who wanted to treat, and this tariff man, he looked good to eat. Jump on my back, my tariff man pet, and we'll cross the river so you won't get wet. <laughs> Mr. Tariff Man, who's out of the pan? There was no place to go, there was no place to run, and a ride on the river could be lots of fun. So off with the fox, did Tariff Man go, and what happened next? You already know. To the tariff man who's out of the pan, that sly old fox had a delicious treat. And the old man had nothing to eat. Not a bite was left for the cow or the dog, the horse or the farmer, or the old hungry hog. There's no tariff man in or out of the pan. So let us go home and get out the pan, and we'll make ourselves a new tariff man. And when he is eaten, we'll make us some more. But this time we'll be certain to lock the back door. A new tariff man in a tariff taxed pan, <laughs> uh,
1: and I think I think yeah. I, I think I'm learning why the Weekly Standard implemented uh, that oh, kind yeah. of that no poetry rule. <laughs>
0: <place>. the, the, <laughs> the wisdom of our elders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but, but, the, but what you know I
2: saw all these like silly poems online and things, and, oh, it, yeah. and, and it was funny. I mean, you know, who doesn't love a good meme? But the the thing about I think the thing Trump loves about tariffs, aside from the fact of that he doesn't understand that U.S. consumers are the ones who ultimately pay them, that billions are coming in. Well, I mean, where do you think, I mean, yeah, they might be coming in the U.S. Customs Services when they're coming across the border, but who ultimately pays them as U.S. consumers? But what what Trump likes about tariffs, like the gingerbread man, is that it's a foil that he can always just like go back to the pan and make another tariff man. And that and that's the kind of Sisyphean thing that Trump loves. So, Ah, uh, dear dear listeners, please forgive me for that. I realized that was awful. <laughs> yeah. But actually, and, I
0: actually, and on, and on that note, let's 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 take a let's take a quick break because I I do want to switch and talk about what happened with Gina Haspel and the CIA and what we're we're learning there as as well. Uh, the Daily Standard is brought to you today by RX Bar. Look, RX Bar set out to create a new kind of protein bar with a few simple, clean ingredients. Every ingredient serves a purpose. RxBar believes in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do all of the talking. All of them are listed on the front of the packaging. You'll likely recognize RxBar at the shelf. They're the ones who have, you know, the egg whites for protein, dates to buy, nuts for texture other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit and spices like sea salt or cinnamon, and they come in 14 delicious flavor varieties. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. So you can use them for breakfast on the go, snack at the office to push you through that 3 p.m. slump, or I have like a 10 10 a.m. noon slump, you know, 4 o'clock slump. Throw them in your bag for the airplane, and now... Rx Bar has debuted in RX Nut Butter, which contains a few simple and similar ingredients like egg whites, fruits, and nuts. Each single serving uh, contains delicious creamy nut butter with nine grams of high quality protein. Uh, look, for there's also the bestseller variety pack. For 25% off of your first order of that bestseller variety pack, visit rxbar.com/slash standard and enter promo code standard at checkout, this is valid in the US only and only for a limited time. So again, 25% off of your first order of the bestseller variety pack, rxbar.com slash standard, enter promo code standard at checkout, valid in the US only and for a limited time. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Andrew, you 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 wanted to weigh in on the in the in the post poetry segment of the of the of the first half of this podcast,
2: none yes, of you yes. none of you guys snapped. You know, you were supposed to snap. <laughs>
0: I think I was I giving you jazz hands. I was yeah, doing,
1: doing the jazz hands. Doing that <laughs> remotely might have been a, a little bit of a trick uh, in terms of lining up the rhythm. But I was just I was just going to reach into to Jim's fable and pull out one specific moral, um, which is just another thing that we we have frequently seen from Trump, although traditionally not you would you would hope from Republican politicians, which is just that. It, and we we've even talked about this on the podcast before, sort of like the, the whack-a-mole way that Trump is doing uh, his his economic policy where he sees a specific problem and pitches a policy to solve that problem without sort of heed for uh, the unintended consequences that that new solution might might cause, you know the the steel and aluminum aluminum tariffs um going into the you know p- potential disaster for auto manufacturers and then a potential auto t- auto tariff. Uh, to to solve that problem, things like that. I mean, it, it all it all is just sort of, I mean, it's it's sort of basic, uh, sort of Austrian economics, right? I mean, it's like the 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 the. the the limited knowledge problem, right? Where it's like you know, you it, it's it's impossible to centrally plan a strong economy because there's always all of these right. uh, extraneous uh, we, unintended totally consequences that, that yes. yeah, the, that, the fatal it, conceit. It's, it's been it's been settled science, sort of at least on the on the right for a long time because you know that's that that's the way to create maximum economic uh, activity. Um, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Those sorts of things, and you you couple that you couple that sort of like uh, centrally planned. Uh, sort of playbook with the with this guy, Donald Trump, who just doesn't seem to be even all that artful at operating no. the central planning playbook, you, getting sort of laser focused on these sort of very specific ends, like steel manufacturing jobs and pursuing those at the cost of all other, all other things. And it just, it becomes this kind of a problem. And this is this is what we see. So okay. that's all I wanted to say about that.
0: Well, let, let, let's, let's talk about some of the other facets, obviously, some very important stories going on, including what's happening in France. Um, you know, again, with the Mueller investigation, we don't know all the things that are happening. The, a lot of speculation about whether the president might have crossed the line by um, you know, tw- tweeting to uh, you know, about how courageous uh, uh, Roger Stone was for refusing to cooperate and uh, su- suggesting that uh, the Michael Cohen, his former personal attorney, get the maximum wh- and whether that was witness tampering. George Conway, of course, Kellyanne Conway's husband, uh, had actually tweeted out these statute numbers uh, for witness tampering, um, which led Eric Trump interestingly enough, uh, to attack George Conway, saying he was being disrespectful of Kellyanne Conway. So this is the first time that we have uh, part of the uh, the Trump tribe going after George Conway, the, one of the more bizarrely fascinating marriages in Washington, D.C. Uh, we also have the story out of North Carolina. We don't have to get into a great deal of uh, detail, where... It, we're not talking about voter fraud. We're talking about sort of election fraud. This uh, this congressional race, where it certainly looks like some of the operatives uh, supporting the Republican nominee uh, engaged in some shady uh, operations of going out and and collecting uh, collecting absentee ballots that may never have been turned in, and this may actually result in a member of Congress not even being uh, seated. Uh, but I wanted to just get your your reaction. Ah, uh, Michael Avenatti, um, lawyer for Stormy Daniels, says that, that amazingly he has decided not to run for president in 2020. So, what was your favorite memory of the Avenatti for president uh, campaign?
1: Uh, I have no good memory. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I I get that like it it's sort of like the the fun sort of droll thing to like look at the Avenatti spectacle and just sort of like laugh at it, which I yeah. I have done from time to time. But just looking back on the I mean, it's on the whole sort of embarrassing, gross. Pat, I mean, it it'll it'll be. Yeah. It, I, I don't just want him not to run for president. I want him to sort of get out of the public eye. Yeah, and so that, sort of and he's go Saint, back He's a St.
2: Louisan like you, Andrew, and, oh, and man. me. I didn't even. Yeah, know I, that. okay. I must say though, do that to me, I, must say, I must I <laughs> must. Can we talk a little bit about um, uh, the uh, MBS stuff and yeah? No,
0: uh, I want to get to stuff? that because of course that's one of the big stories right now. Is that uh, Gina Haspel, who they've been keeping sort of under wraps, the CIA director, goes and briefs members of the Senate. And the senators are coming out, and, and, and they're certainly not mincing any words here. Uh, let me see if I can call up some of the quotes. Uh, e- even Lindsey Graham saying there's not a smoking gun, there's a smoking saw. Yeah. Um, he says, I think he's, uh, this is a grandma. I think he's complicit in the murder of Mr. Khashoggi to the highest level possible. Um, you have uh, Bob Corker coming out and saying that uh, MSB would be convicted in 30 minutes, which, of course, raises the question, what what did Gina Haspel, CIA director, tell them that was different than what, uh, you know, General Mattis had to say last week? Because you remember what they were saying when when they, that there was no direct reporting, that there was no smoking gun. And at least based on these Republican senators, it sounds uh, it sounds like she had some awfully compelling evidence. So,
2: if I may jump in here real quick, Charlie, if you know this this whole thing, and you, one of the things that Trump said um, was that if we abandon Saudi Arabia, it would be a terrible mistake. This is Trump framing this like all of his supporters and, and acolytes, uh, you know, in the media and punditry love to do is everything is a binary choice. Uh, there's there's you can't hold Saudi Arabia accountable without abandoning them, and that that's a false choice. And that, that's just what they're trying to do, I think. In um, the smoking gun, I mean, yeah, there, there were a lot of smoking guns. And I suspect what uh, Gina Haspel told the senators uh, probably was the truth. And when you have Lindsey Graham, who has kind of, you know, uh, cozied up under Trump's, uh, you know, right wing or left wing, depending on, your, you know, how you want to view it. And Bob Corker just saying, like, you know, <laughs> this is insane. You're like, this guy's guilty of sin. Um, you know, it's... It, it's it's a it's a rare instance I think of backbone from senators, but will it result to anything? Probably not.
1: Yeah, well, I think just to, it, it, just to go off of that like a, a little bit, I think it, what, what what's interesting here is that you know this is we already sort of hashed out that this was this was a point of tension a couple of weeks ago when when uh, Trump was first making all those public statements in halfway support of Saudi Arabia and talking about how much we needed that partnership and uh, and and the CIA assessment of of. Uh, MBS's complicity was was leaked. You'll remember it was right. uh, it became a, a report in the Washington Post. Uh, and I think that you know, it, if, if nothing else, what 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 the the news of today uh, shows us verifies is a that information that was leaked was accurate because um, clearly it's th- that that's the impression that these people got uh, from the direct you know CIA report from from Haspel. Um, but and that also you know just from a political standpoint the most impactful thing is just as Jim was saying that in this sort of uh, scrum between the CIA and and the White House this sort of which is sort of un- understated but clearly there's that tension present uh, that Republican lawmakers are tending to side with the CIA because that's where the evidence seems to be and, and you uh, in, insofar as anybody is sort of a neutral party here quote unquote you'd think it would be the lawmakers just because they obviously have uh, a personal interest in not crossing Trump, unless the evidence sort of tells them otherwise. So I, I do think that this this strengthens. Uh- to, to, to I mean, to the extent that it needed yeah. strengthening, you know, we all, we all kind of already knew that this was what the, what the CIA uh, had, had found. Um, but, but I do think it, it, it really highlights or underlines, you know, how strong the evidence is that the White House is ignoring.
0: Oh, I think so as well. I'm just reading a tweet from uh, I think a CNN reporter, uh, the administration is now firmly at odds with the Republicans on MBS and Khashoggi. Trump says maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Mattis says no smoking gun. Pompeo says no direct reporting. Graham says there's a smoking saw. Corker says if he was in in front of a jury, he would be convicted. Look, um, I don't know what Congress is going to do, but um, I think you, you can you bet some pretty safe money that the Democrats, uh, when they come in in January um, with uh, with the House of Representatives, are going to get these guys, you know, in, in you know, in, in front of them and start asking them questions because there's very clearly this, the you know the uh, you know the the gap, the credibility gap. Uh, between the secretary of defense and the secretary of state on the one hand and the cia director um that could be that could be highly messy it really it it really could be it's a
2: game of hide the ball really i mean it's hide the ball and paint this as a binary choice and you know you 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 know you're either willing to overlook you know the murder of a a journalist washington post journalist who is a naturalized u.s resident um or, or you don't want us to ever send any uh, arms to Saudi Arabia and make billions and billions ever again. Right. You know, it's it's a binary choice, Charlie. You know, choose yeah. choose 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 your we've, side. Murder is heard, bad, or you know, billions of dollars make America
0: ri- rich again. Right. Well, I suppose you noticed something that I have not talked about, or you know, raised so far, or at least some of the listeners have. The um, the all of the heavy breathing, and, and some of it's justified, about the uh, Wisconsin legislative session that's going on, Michigan legislative session, where the lame duck legislatures um, are poised to uh, reduce the power of the incoming Democratic governor in Wisconsin, not just uh, reduce the power of incoming Democratic governor, uh, Tony Evers, but also of the new Democratic attorney general. And the reason I haven't brought it up is because I don't think we have long enough in this podcast to go through all of the nuances you know what I do notice it though is the level of hysteria on Twitter has just you know, rises to this this shrill point where it's the end of democracy. And yeah, there are some stupid, there are some uh, petty, there are some vindictive things in 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 this legislation. There's also some things that are completely justifiable, including you know the legislature saying, "Hey, we we want to reassert some of our prerogatives," which by the way, I wish Congress would do in relationship to the executive as well. I do think there's a high potential of backfiring. Uh, on some of the things that are being done. But uh, we're going to have to see what, uh, you know, what actually happens, what Scott Walker actually does at the end of the day in Wisconsin. They've already dropped, um, I think, one of the more foolish aspects, which was they were going to change the date of the election for the next, uh, in the next election for a state Supreme Court justice to basically help protect a conservative. I'm, I'm going to go into the details and they say, well, they're moving the date of the presidential primary. And it would have been a complete cluster, you know what? But they've already dropped that. By the end of today, certain other elements may be dropped. So maybe later in the week, depending on what the news cycle is, we'll talk about it. But uh, I'd have to actually, you know, and again again, at the end of that's one of those discussions where I know that everybody would be unhappy because it's not as it's not completely horrible, but it's also not defensible. It's it's so, all so.
2: it's also a be careful what you wish for scenario. I mean, Republicans yeah. love touting Harry Reid's,
0: you know, demolition of mm-hmm. the judicial
2: filibuster for non-Supreme Court nominees, and then, you know, Republicans retake the Senate, and then we yep. win the White House. Ha ha ha! Eat crow! You know, it, when when you start doing these sort of things, and you start dismantling norms, uh, it's a pendulum. And, you know, the more momentum you give to the pendulum, the further it swings. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I don't look at this and think, oh, this is probably great. No, it's it's probably a mistake.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, just uh, yeah, on on yesterday's uh, podcast when we were talking about uh, George H. W. Bush, I, I made some I had some reaction to Andy Ferguson's piece, which I actually expanded upon more in a piece that I have up on the on the website about the Greatest Generation and how we take too long to acknowledge uh, generations. Sometimes we take too long to uh, get around to appreciating the values, and really struck by the fact that uh, in 1990, uh, in 1992, when George Bush was fighting for his political life, uh, his high command in the campaign, did not want to talk about his, his war service or what a hero he was. And the point I wanted to make is it was not that it was too long ago um at that point it was 47 years since the end of world war ii but the, we hadn't as a society gotten around to being willing to acknowledge the contributions of the of the greatest generation it wasn't uh, for another 12 years that we opened up the world war ii memorial in washington dc uh, saving private ryan wasn't released till 1998 tom brokaw's book the greatest generation wasn't released again until 1998 so six years after everybody said no nah, nobody wants to talk about that anymore With uh, with George H.W. Bush, I think we finally got around to sort of remembering. But again, on Twitter, there's an interesting debate. Why are you saying all these nice things about the greatest generation? You know, there were a lot of guys, you know, who did bad things. Well, yeah, that's the danger of generalizing about generations. I mean, generations can have historical significance. Without having to make, without, and you can say that without making the case that each and every individual in that generation was a wonderful individual, um, you know, of, of, of spotless character. But um, I guess there, there's nothing that we can't debate. By the way, what the stupidest article over the last 24 hours, Slate magazine oh, basically saying don't pay attention, yeah, about going after the dog. Don't go
1: after the dog.
0: Yeah, you'd never go after the dog.
1: That's I literally mean, yes. what villains do. You can you can you can you can up, uh hatred for yourself in no better way than yeah, by kicking the dog. It's just uh, yeah. not a great move. Yeah, I mean this was one of those just
0: wonderful moments, the picture of the service dog Sully, you know, on watch in front of the casket and you know it went viral, and somebody at Slate sitting around there scratching some itch of whatever. You know, well, yes, but he but he only had that dog for six months. So how bonded? Okay, you know
1: what? And by the way, dogs yeah. dogs aren't dogs don't have the higher function to actually take over the. All right, I'm done. I, I can't. It was, it was very silly. It was a foolish article, and uh, and it will yeah. soon be forgotten.
0: And, 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 and in dog world, except we're reminding people. Except in dog world, six months is a long time. Yes. And yes, you can bond to a dog in six months. But uh, just a reminder how we live in an age where the, the, the pettiest sentiment will find some outlet. And uh, we'll have to leave it uh, at that. Uh, gentlemen, thank you uh, for joining me. I appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening to The Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow. And we'll do this all over again.